Log Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Talking Circles. I am Jason Caldwell Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here tonight, guys, as we bring you Talking Circles. We're going to review Talladega for the weekend that was from Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, it was won by Brad Kislowski, who was able to pull off and really pass Matt Benedetto in late race heroics on a green-white checkered as the race was extended to 508.06 miles. Um, Brad Kislowski was your winner. William Byron was second, Michael McDowell third, and then you had uh, Kevin Harvick and Matt DiBenedetto rolling off, rounding out the top five. We're going to go to Philip. Philip, you mentioned you were a little bit emotional with this win. What were your thoughts when Brad Kozlowski was standing in victory lane after, uh, in Talladega on Sunday? I mean, it's Talladega, Clayton. You know, I mean, you and I kind of agree on what it is and what it's about for how long we've been watching. Uh, you need to have the right kind of driver. You need to have a ton of luck to go and win these races. And for Brad to have now six wins and tie Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. in wins at Talladega is uh, pretty cool. Um, didn't expect it. He only led one lap on Sunday. It was the only one that counted, thanks to Martin Truex Jr. and James Small and their infinite wisdom of dry, having a car that had a broken track bar um, and then bringing it out, bringing it back out on the racetrack. So credit to them. Uh, you know, that that was part of it. And Di Benedetto being Di Benedetto, um, kind of pulling a Tony Stewart and making the wrong move there late uh, in on a plate track. And that was basically the two things. I mean, Michael McDowell was trying to drive through him. William Byron tried to hit everything but the lottery. Um, I mean, it kind of fits who his sponsor is, but then you have that, and then um, you have Michael McDowell who drove through Brad and Joey to win the Daytona 500, and I was feeling like that was going to happen again, and then, man, he somehow or another held it off, and big win for them. All the Penske cars have now won this year, uh, All and when you consider that, um, you know, a couple, two, three weeks ago, Joey Logano and Brad didn't have wins, and they were in the final four. And the only one that hasn't won out of the final four so far, or no, actually two of the final four haven't won now. So uh, Clyde hasn't won yet, and Denny hasn't won yet. Denny had probably the best car and figured out a way to lose this deal. And his drive, his own, the car he owns too, uh, they had two of the best race cars there, and that's probably a separate topic, but. Just glad Brad got a win. Gives them a little bit of leeway going to tracks like uh, Darlington back weekend here in a couple of weeks, Coda, um, and the 600. You know, some of these tougher races that are coming up here um, and to go and be able to R&D some stuff and give themselves an opportunity as we go into the rest of the regular season. Yeah, it was a huge, huge win for Kozlowski, no question. He, he's he got to feel pretty good about that. And, and you know, it was uh, a little bit of a, of a disappointing race for him in the Daytona 500 because he had probably the best car there and was in position to win. And then uh, it was taken from him. But, you know, give credit where credit, credit is due in these races. Michael McDowell, not only did he finish third, but he finished eighth in stage one, third in stage two. He really had a good day. Um, 
You know, a couple other guys, if you go through back in the top ten, you have Kaz Grala in sixth, uh, Tyler Reddick in seventh. Well, Reddick was, was pushing some guys, too, there. Uh, Austin Dillon, eighth, Ryan Blaney, ninth, and Cole Custer, tenth. Um, a very good run, Spencer, for Kaz Grala. You know, he's, a, he's in these one-off deals here and really does a, a good job. You know, Cole Lake Racing won the Xfinity Series race on Saturday. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Uh, so good job by him. But Di Benedetto really needed to have a, a solid, solid day because where he is in points, he was able to win the first stage and get e- 10 extra points. And then to be in position to win, uh, unfortunately, probably made the wrong move at the end. But what he did do, if there is one positive from him on Sunday, is he closed the gap on the points standings. He was able to get by Kurt Busch in points, and he's only 12 back of Chris Busher right now, 416th for the top 16 in points. So, uh, even though Dean Benedetto wasn't standing in victory lane, and I'm sure that was frustrating, uh, it had to be a pretty good day for him. Uh, what were your thoughts on Sunday's race, Spencer, uh, from Talladega? Yeah, I mean, overall, I thought it was pretty exciting. Um, it was a lot better than the Daytona 500. I, uh, the Daytona 500, I thought, was pretty lackluster, pretty boring. Um, but I understand they need to run single file to be there at the end to win that big race. But this race was, um, I thought it was it was fun. You know, this is a race that I would go back and watch um, a rerun of if I got bored or something. But, um, yeah, I thought there was a lot of passing, a lot of blocking. And, you know, you never want to see a car get up on its roof. But, I mean, we've been seeing this forever. I mean, it's, you know, you're not going to change the fact of cars flipping. I mean, you're going 200 miles an hour and you get turned around. I don't care what kind of package you have what you do to the race cars, you take something at 200 miles an hour and see if it don't take flight. It will take flight. Um, it's, it's just science. I mean, it, it really is. So um, see that, but he walked away safe. But other than that, I thought it was pretty exciting. I thought it was great racing up front. Um, I mean, those cars, they look pretty stable. I mean, they were beating the bumpers off of cars, pushing them hard down the back straight away. Um I would have liked to see it go green. I would have hate to see that late race caution with uh, Quinn Huff, I believe it was, with just under 15 laps to go maybe. Could have, could have been less, I forget. But um, that really changed the outcome of the race, I think. I think the 21 would have been a, the winner if that caution wouldn't have came out. But uh, it's so hard to beat the Penske cars there. Those cars, I don't know, something about them. Even when Blaney wasn't a, a great plate racer, he – he wasn't as good at first, but he really, a couple years into the Cup Series, um, he really got a an act for plate racing. And with him coming on and being really strong, him and Logano and the um, and Brad are just they're tough. Um, they really are tough cars to beat there. So uh, great race, I guess. And there was a guy, and it's Talladega, so you see guys up front that aren't normally up there, and that's always nice to see. They get exposure and stuff like that. So as you mentioned, great run for Kaz. Um, I met him up in the stands a few years ago in Daytona, and he was shocked that I knew who he was. And, um, he's slowly making a name for himself. Every chance he gets in a race car, he makes the most of it. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, the flipping the Logano deal, uh, and we'll we'll get to that in a little bit uh, as far as the package is concerned and what we can do to change that. But um, I want to go back to something that uh, Philip discussed a little earlier about Martin Truex Jr. and you know, I think what some people might not have realized about that, and listen, I, I'm totally on board with Truex. I thought it was a terrible move by him 
and his team. Uh, and this is a guy who comes out and complains about other drivers, you know, blocking him for the lead, and yet he goes out there with a busted track bar, as Philip mentioned. But I think what ultimately caused that wreck, if you want to kind of blame something, or cause that caution, I should say, if you want to blame something, was what we have now is the caution clock with that stupid six-minute clock that we have where teams now can't put, um, you know, things out, you know, new parts on race cars because of that. And ultimately, you know, it causes teams to make take risks and go out there and try and fix it not fully and go out there and run at full speed. And this is the kind of stuff that happens. And it doesn't happen often. I, you know, I, I said this when that rule was initiated. I said, we're going to get a time where somebody's going to run over debris in the lead because somebody didn't fix their car fully or a caution's going to come out at an untimely time and it's going to cost somebody a race. And we're so used to, to the races stopping now because of caution flags because of stages we don't really look at it as a big deal. But to me that was a big deal, especially from somebody who complains as much as he does about um, you know lap cars and people getting in his way, and then they go out there and make it what I think – a very risky move going out there and doing that. But I almost I blame the caution clock a little more. I don't think these teams really have, um, you know, any other choice but to go out there and do that. But um, let, let, I want to get Phillips' take on, on the uh, Joey Logano thing because it certainly was a topic of discussion, Phillip, uh, about Logano and um, the 22 car flipping. Um, I, I said this to my wife who, who – brought up the topic as well over on, on Monday, uh, I said, you know, I remember my first memory of a race ever, I saw a car get upside down, that was Rusty Wallace in 1993, and Daytona got upside down and flipped, in, and he survived it. Um, and since then, I mean, how many times have we seen guys get airborne? And, you know, it's not necessarily the most dangerous wrecks, I mean, considering it, with, they're in the cocoon the way they are, uh, but... If I have to say, you know, drivers would rather – it's almost like drivers would rather hit walls at 200 miles an hour, blow a right front tire at 200 miles an hour and hit a wall that way, than flip. I mean, drivers seem to – when a car gets airborne, they seem to really get annoyed. And Logano was very vocal about it. But what are your thoughts? Is, is, do we need to, to trim this – slow this package down a little bit? Do we need to change this package completely? I mean, as long as there's been super speedway racing in my life, there's been cars getting upside down. Even Bobby Allen said in 87 before yep. the restricted plates got airborne. So what are your thoughts on, on Logano complaining about the package and getting airborne? Yeah, I mean, Joey Logano did exactly what Ryan Newman has been doing for nearly 20 years. And because NASCAR wants to be like WWE um, and because Talladega and Daytona are two of their quote showcase events and quote or tracks, they're willing to deal with the fact that people are going to take off. Um, and the reality is they were really, really close with Joey Logano on that wreck with the nonsense blocking and all this stuff because of the stupid stages of having a Ryan Newman, 2.0 like what happened at the end of the Daytona 500 which they replayed about 8 trillion times and I'm sure they've made tons of money off of because the guy's alive uh, but if it wasn't for Ryan Newman uh, and maybe a couple other people uh, they, I think at the end of the day I mean to me personally it's part of one of the many reasons why I do not like 
Talladega or Daytona on any under any circumstance. It's because it has nothing to do with driving skill. It's literally either about luck or or going and avoiding somebody going and running you over and messing something up. Joey Logano has a right to be mad about it because it's a joke. Dale Jr. said it on his show. The BA, I mean, he doesn't want to call it the, what it, he called it initially, but it is. It doesn't help. The BAS does not help. They run 200 miles an hour, and they're able to lock bumpers and do all these things. They said, oh, we don't want to lock bumpers. Well, they can lock bumpers. Oh, we have this big spoiler because we want to have passing. I got an idea for you. Lift the freaking cars off the ground. Put a plate on the thing so the thing can't go. Put it like the 2001 package. Oh, wait, that's right. That one wrecked, too. So there's no the NASCAR in their infinite wisdom for as long as I've been alive, which is which is 36 years. 34 years ago was when Bobby Allison took out the catch fence at Talladega and Davey won his first race. They haven't fixed it in 34 years. They don't. All these engineers, all these supposed geniuses they have, they can't come up with a rules package to keep cars on the ground. You had Derek Lancaster, God bless him, uh, hopefully he'll be okay, go and knock the wall down in the Arca race, and he was on fire for like a mile, and then whatever in the Arca deal. You know, like, it's almost like they think it's okay. And fundamentally, if I'm Derek Lancaster's wife, or if I'm Brittany, if I was Brittany Logano, or if I'm a fan of those people or whatever, it's not okay. I don't consider running over people and and basically thinking it's like a demo derby to be racing, and and they can change it if they wanted to. They don't want to, and it's why they destroy race cars. And I'm sure that now that they're going to have this whatever Gen Seven kit thing. They're definitely not going to race like this in the Daytona 500 next year because they know of how expensive it's going to be to replace the race cars. It's going to be about 185 laps of single file. They might have 180 laps of single file racing, and then you'll have stage racing, and you'll have 10 to go. That's what the Daytona 500 is going to be because of the cost. That'll be the the remedy is the fact that they can't afford – to destroy these race cars because they're have so few of them. That's going to be the remedy um, come February because of the Gen 7. Because they, they're too stupid to figure out or too stubborn to figure out a real solution to keep these guys safe. And and it's obnoxious and it's irritating. Right. And and listen, I, I, I hear you for sure. I mean, I, I echo a lot of that sediment as far as I'm not a fan of this current package we have on super speedways. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again a million times. We need to bring handling back to these race cars. I said it after the Daytona 500 in February. We need to bring handling back to these cars on super speedway racing because, to me, that's, that ultimately is what's going to help solve. Uh, it's just going to make it more interesting to me, A, and B, I think it helps solve it. But, Spencer, I want to get your take on this. I mean – you were young when we lost Dale Earnhardt back in 2001. Uh, and, and so I'm not sure if you remember this, but the super speedway race after we lost Dale Earnhardt was Talladega in April. And we didn't have any caution flags. We ran that entire race from start to finish, 188 laps of Talladega under the green flag conditions. 
and it was a very, very, very entertaining race. And the reason for that was the drivers. The drivers realized, and they kind of got scared a little bit, and said, you know, maybe we shouldn't be pushing somebody's bumper into a corner. Maybe we shouldn't be leaning on these guys like it's a short track. Maybe we shouldn't be cutting people off when, you know, when we know better. Um, and so ultimately the drivers are in control of this package and they're the ones, and, and I get that they can't pass unless they push. I get a lot of that. But to me, Spencer, the drivers are sort of complaining about something they can control themselves. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, they are in charge. Um, at the end of the day, they're the one piloting that race car. They're the one getting paid to do that because they are um, one of the best drivers in the world. Um, well, some of them, but you get the point. So, um, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, you know, Clayton, your car only goes as fast as you push the pedal um, on your way to work. I mean, the car doesn't choose its speed. It doesn't choose its actions. You choose which direction the car goes. Um you know, you choose when the car makes a right turn. So, I mean, it's it's common sense. So, uh, these drivers know they have to bump to pass. I don't think – I shouldn't say I don't think, but it's going to be really, really hard to find a, um, a package, a system, whatever you want to call it, to just pass the guy based off runs when everybody's bumper to bumper. You can't go nowhere. The track's only so wide. You can only go four wide at Talladega. Realistically, three um, is the majority of what you see. So you have to bump to get your line to move. You can't just stay there and lack, you know, lay off, and you'll just have a train on the high side, which people hate. Um, you, know, you can lay back and make the runs and drop to the bottom, but you've got to have somebody to go with you. So that's why when you see these double file races at Talladega and Daytona, they're just bumping. They're it's crazy because that's what you have to do. You have to get your line going. Um, you can't lock bumpers, so you have to beat the hell out of it. You have to you have to you have to hit the bumper hard, shoot him out, and because you can't lock bumpers. If you could lock bumpers, it'd be 2011 where you had the two car tandem, um, but it's not. So they it's going to be really, really tough to find a solution to get this racing um, safer, I guess. But I think these cars are as safe as we're going to get them. I mean, really, I mean, you can only do so much to something. You can only, and that's with anything, you know, that's not just with the race car. Um, You can only have so much uh, roll cage and then you'll run out of space. I mean, the driver still has to get in and out of the car. They have to have room to work in the race car. Um, on the passenger window, if something happens, um, the driver has to have enough room so he can climb out of the race car in case something happens. So you can only do so much. And I think, you know, the fact that we haven't lost, the fact that we didn't lose Ryan Newman is a solution to how good these cars can. But he got hit at 185 miles an hour right in the head, um, and he's alive. So, you can't, we really can't take away the safety of these race cars. Um, you know, I think there, there's a reason we haven't lost anybody, um, in a very long time, which is a good thing. So it's, it's, 
it's the product of this racing. And that's what every driver says on something bad. It's the product. And it is, I don't see how you can change it. So, um, I personally, I love Daytona and Talladega. I love the group pack racing. Sure. The owners don't and the marketing side don't, the sponsors don't cause they spend a lot of money to get torn up, but it's, uh, the name of the game it's it's nature of the beast and that's just how it is and and you bring up good points there and there's no question and and you know i again i i see both sides of it i when i was a kid and, and the biggest pro i guess i wouldn't say problem but the biggest thing about this to me is that our biggest race in nascar is a super speedway race so when we get excited for a super speedway we get excited every year for the daytona 500 we look at daytona 500 and we go Man, we can't wait for that race. So it's hard to put a negative spin on these race on the on this because everybody's got a chance to win the Daytona 500. That's what makes it fun. It's it's unique in that aspect of it. Um, but the and and ultimately these super speedway races aren't going anywhere. And it's been 30 years, Philip talked about 34 years since. Bobby Allison went to the catch fence at Talladega, heard a bunch of people, and cars got too fast, and we said, let's put plates on them. It's been 34 years since that happened, and we've been talking about restricted plate racing and how dangerous these super speedway cars are and super speedway racing is in stock car racing since then, and really since we've started. And, you know, Spencer brought up some great points about we are super safe, no question, where we are now than where we were 20 years ago, we were way behind 20 years ago, way behind. And there's numerous reasons for that. We can get we could do a 12-hour show on how far behind NASCAR was in 2001 if we really wanted to. Um, but we have come a long way since then. Uh, but, Philip, do you think that part of the reason why we see these super speedway races the way they are uh, why why they are the way they are is because of sort of a false narrative that these cars are too safe and these drivers won't get hurt and these drivers can do whatever they want uh, in these race cars because they know no matter what happens, they're going to walk away and they're going to be unscathed. Do you think that's something that makes these drivers extremely aggressive and push push the limit to where they should? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, Spencer brought it up, you know, the safety and everything that's going on with these cars and all the close calls you've had recently, especially with uh, Newman and, uh, you know, what is it, Dylan going in the catch fence a couple of years ago at Daytona at the end of the race and a few other things like that. Um, I think that's one piece. I think there's also... And it's something that in the old guard from where you and I, Clayton, you know, started as fans, there was a semblance of respect uh, and kind of a common sense aspect to it in that they started, a lot of these guys started when these cars weren't so safe. So they were a little more logical. They were a little bit more um, cognizant. Uh, a lot of these guys, there's there's multiple things that come with a lot of the drivers that we have right now in this sport, and I think a lot of them run around as though they have this this um, fearlessness, and I think they think that that's cool, and it's fine and well, 
Um, and the fact is they're never going to get rid of Talladega and Daytona, and it's fine, whatever. I, I And the point is that's why I sat there watching IndyCar race and went and, and watched, a, a, you know, other things, and then I came to it at 30 to go because the reality is I know that this is what it is, and I'm not going to put myself through three and a half hours of this nonsense because I know what it is. The only one of these four races that I'm truly going to – I mean, the thing is Daytona now has angled itself with the 500, of course, which it'll, it'll always be what it is, the Great American Race, and now the cutoff race being at Daytona. I'll have to watch, but I'm going to watch it begrudgingly under the pretense that they're going to run over each other because they don't respect each other. And I think that that's a story within itself. I think if you go and dig in, dig really deep into this – sport and you talk about these drivers and if you really got some true serum out with some of these guys they don't really care about what they do to somebody else i i think fundamentally they are willing to go and run over some other guy um or they're willing to use people up because they just don't care and i think that's part of the reason why we have the kind of racing we have I think once these owners realize the checks that they're going to have to pay, I mean, they already have to pay expensive checks if they destroy race cars at Daytona and Talladega or anywhere. But I think this Gen 7 car, if you want to talk about a tame, calm, and basically non, you know, uneventful uh, duels and the whole bit, we're coming into that here. This, for, for those who, who love the blood sport and love the wrecking and, and all the gimmicks and nonsense that come with Daytona and Talladega, have fun. You have two more races after this because I am certain that they are not going to be racing like that with the Gen 7 package, not because they did anything great to make it any more safer or more logical, uh, but the expense and the limit on the cars is probably going to change things a little bit. But that they may that may change in its own right. Who knows? That's just my personal feeling. But um, I think we're going to have probably the tamest Daytona 500 we've had in a while coming. Uh, but they'll be able to destroy race cars and have demo derbies for a couple more races here um, as the season goes on. Well, you hit the nail on the head. And, and obviously we won't get too much into that because it is into the future, and we don't really know what that's going to be here in a couple of months. But I completely agree with you. And how you, where you saw that, if, if you paid attention to some of the owners, or, or I wouldn't say owners per se, but uh, some of the bigwigs on race teams after the Daytona 500, Chad Knauss was one of them. I remember him saying something like, well, we're still tearing up too many race cars. And I said, well, well, we took away the clash. We took away you know, a lot of the – uh, we didn't have that many big wrecks. Sure, we had, you know, a few of them, but we didn't have that. It wasn't like a, a crazy crash field uh, speed weeks. Like, you remember when we did group qualifying during speed weeks, and then we had the duels, and then it wasn't like that. And so it almost makes you sit there and say, they're going to want to get rid of the duels because of the expense of these race cars. So uh, I think um, – you're 100% right on that. I think these owners are going to sit there and go, listen, guys, especially the first year where they're going to have to shell out a lot of money to get these cars, and maybe after the long-term effect, they're not going to care as much. But it's going to be very interesting to watch the Daytona 500 next year. want to get your guys' take on something from this race before we move on to the Xfinity Series race. 
that was very controversial that NASCAR came out and did over the weekend. I'm going to go to Spencer first, then I'm going to get Phillips' take on it. Um, and I'm really curious. I haven't talked to any of you guys on the, about this yet, but I want to get your take on it. Um, Jennifer Jo Cobb was supposed to run the NASCAR Cup Series race at uh, Talladega this weekend for Rick Ware Racing, and NASCAR had said she is not approved. They they felt like she was she was not capable of running at Talladega. Um, keep in mind, Jennifer Jo has 18 starts in the truck series on super speedway races and two Xfinity series starts in her career. She's been doing this for 12 years and NASCAR came out and said, we feel like she's not ready to be up in cup yet on a super speedway. Uh, I have my take on it. I'm going to wait to give my take uh, until Spencer and Philip give theirs. But Spencer, do you agree with NASCAR's decision? I mean, the one thing about Jennifer Joe and the one thing to keep in mind is she's not very competitive her, her cars or trucks, I should say, are, are off the pace a lot. So maybe that's what NASCAR was thinking a lot in this. She, she had a little incident that week before with Warren Benning that might have put into this decision as well. But what was, what was your take on the not approval by Jennifer Joe Cobb, Spencer? Yeah, I think it's a bad decision with um, on NASCAR. I mean, it's not like it's not like she's never ran. Um, she's been around forever. I mean, she's got so many truck starts. I mean, she's she's just been around forever. I mean, just because she's not in competitive equipment, she wasn't going to be in competitive equipment come Talladega anyways. Let's, let's face it. So um, I don't think there's any difference in running a truck or an Xfinity car at Talladega than a cup car. Um, she's not going to be anywhere up towards the front. That's, that's not knocking her. Um, so for people who want to say, for the Jennifer Joe Cobb fans that might listen to the show, that's not knocking her. Um, that's just the equipment she's been with. So I think it's off with NASCAR. Um, I mean, let's face it, Harrison Burton hasn't ran near as many uh, NASCAR um, uh, races as her. Yes, he's in better equipment. Yes, he has a few Xfinity wins. But still, the starts don't even compare to Jennifer Joe Cobb. So why does he get approved to go run in the Cup Series? Um, can't approve somebody and then not approve another one. If she was in competitive equipment, she would have gotten. She would have got approved. Shoot, I know she would have. Um, they're just looking because it doesn't make sense for Harrison to get approved and not her. You know, she's way older. Um, yeah, she's not as good as Harrison, but experience should determine whether you get approved to go run the speed that they do at Talladega. And I feel like she's been around forever, uh, has plenty of starts to get approved to go run a Rick Ware car at Talladega. Fair point. Uh, you brought up a lot of good points there, especially the Harrison Burton one. Uh, Philip, what's your take on it? I mean, again, we all, anybody who's been in there on NASCAR and uh, has watched the truck series the last decade knows what Jennifer Joe Cobb is. Um, and certainly I wouldn't sit there and say she's going to go out there and win Talladega. I think that's, you know, out, outrageous to say. Um, but what was your take on a Jennifer Joe Cobb denial? And then I'll give my take on it. Well, there's there's two terms that I've used for a long time with NASCAR, Clayton. You know them. Spencer knows them. And um, I'm going to utilize this moment here, consistently inconsistent. 
and selective enforcement. Uh, she got into a thing with Uncle Norm at Richmond. Uh, she's had a habit recently of um, getting in a argy-bargy, as uh, Calvin Fish would say, on the sports car telecast with other drivers. And Spencer said the point she was driving for for freaking Rick Ware, so it doesn't matter. Um, they'll approve a guy who stiffed us for an interview who can't drive a hot nail through snow um, and caused a caution before Martin Truex decided to cause a caution affect uh, the race. So the reality is um, they could have approved Jennifer Joe and there, and I'll raise that. Uh, you know, the fact is that uh, Spencer brought up Harrison and the fact is they were just going to approve Harrison because one, he's a Toyota guy, two, he's the son of Jeff Burton, three, he drives for Joe Gibbs. Um, he wasn't driving for Joe Gibbs on Sunday, but there you go. I get, you, you just come up with the three reasons uh, and four is cash because Toyota's in their back pocket the same way as all the other manufacturers are. Uh, the, they're going to have – they approve Matt Mills without batting an eye to go and run his cup debut this weekend at Kansas. Matt Mills, God bless him, uh, B.J. McLeod Motorsports, you know, they're doing what they have to do. But I swear that every race I've seen, or near every other race, he brings out a caution. So how is a guy who can't run better than 25th, who brings out a caution almost every week, approved to run a cookie cutter, but then you're telling me Jennifer Joe, who's been around for all these years, can't run freaking Talladega, but then you're going to go and approve, I mean, you're going to approve Jacques Villeneuve, who've never, who's never driven a stock car, albeit he's a legendary racing driver. Like, come on. I mean, but then it's NASCAR, so what do you expect? It's, it's, the, it's the kind of stuff, that's the kind of stuff you get into, and you wonder why you have a problem with credibility, and you wonder why you have a problem with fans and certain segments of the fan base um, and how, you know, ignorant or, or uh, you know, out of touch they are with with society um, and life. Uh, you know, it, it all kind of flows into it. Jennifer Joe was collateral damage at this point. You know, like, whatever, who cares? She'd have ran 30th anyway. If the car didn't get wrecked and ran 30th, she'd probably run around Joey Gase, who brought out at least five cautions this weekend. So it doesn't really make a difference. Uh, what it, it wouldn't have hurt anybody when it had done nothing. But they don't approve her, but they approve Matt Mills. So what, what are you saying? To me, you don't have credibility and you don't have, you don't have a way to go and tell me that you have a system that makes sense. And so it's, that's its own piece, whatever, what I think of Jennifer Joe, otherwise doesn't really matter in that spot. I think I have more of a problem with the process and how they did go and selectively enforce it than the fact it was Jennifer Joe Cobb. It's convenient because it was Jennifer Joe Cobb and she's one of the only female drivers in the sport and all this thing and whatever, but you know, what do you expect? It's it's NASCAR can't help themselves. They got to step on their own joint when when they, they can't help stepping on their own stuff. 
and then they got puppet heads like Scott Miller and 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 Steve Phelps and Steve O'Donnell that all sit there and act like they know what they're talking about. None of them know what they're talking about. It's amazing to me that Scott Miller held a job as a crew chief for as long as he did, considering he's become a, a puppet for the sport um, with some of the stuff he's come out with. So, um, you know, whatever. We'll see. I hear you there. We'll see when Matt Mills yeah. brings out a caution here uh, this weekend at Kansas for sure, though. And I hear you there for sure. I mean, uh, everything you said has relevance to it. My problem is, you know, you brought up Derek Cope. That's a perfect example. Spencer brought up uh, uh, Harrison Burton. I think that's even better. You know, these guys, Cope hadn't run a, a cup race before he got approved for Daytona in two years, two and a half years. He didn't run any any race at all in two, two and a half years. And he hadn't run a super speedway race on a cup track in ten years. Uh, and they said, sure, go ahead, Derek. That's fine. And when I think it's back to the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Daytona, Jason White, who was a Truck Series regular seven years ago, hadn't run in NASCAR in seven years. And he got improved, no problem, ran three laps of practice. And they said, oh, yes, yeah, so you know, Jason White could run. And, and here's my thing. It's NASCAR's sport. They can determine who, who races and who doesn't. That's fine. But what drives me crazy is I had an argument on Twitter today or on, on Facebook this week about it, and, and I like Bob Pockers a lot. But what drives me crazy is when people like Bob Pockers who came out and said, well, NASCAR has been stiffer with super speed – baloney, baloney. Just as long as we all agree what the approval process is, Nobody knows that it's so inconsistent and it's so ridiculous that we have to laugh about it. As long as we agree to that, there is no issue. But the, the thing that drives me up a wall is when you have people who try and sit there and tell you, oh, well, it's because of it. No, it's not, oh, well, because of this. It's not, oh, well, because of that. Bill Lester hadn't driven a, a truck race since 2007. And he gets approved to go 180 miles an hour at Daytona 14 years later without practice in a DGR truck. And that's okay. And people think that's fine. What are we, insane? That's insanity. I mean, don't you love Twitter? And then Jennifer jo- but, and, but like, Jennifer Joe has been doing this for a decade. Sure, she hasn't been competitive, but she's been doing this for over a decade. She's got plenty of experience, but she would be better off. Sitting on a couch for two and a half years like Derek Cope did before he ran at Daytona 500, or like Jason White did, sitting on a couch for five years, then running in a truck series the way she does. She'd be better off because she'd get approved then. It's, it's comical. And as long as we agree that it's comical, then I'm okay with it. But I can't take Travis Pastrana, I too. Cannot, right, right. I can't – exactly. Pastrana. Anybody you want to put in there. I can't take the, oh, well, there's – a little bit, you know, that there's a rhyme and reason to it, because there's not. It's all a bunch of nonsense. And as long as we agree to that, I'm okay with it. And I, I just wanted to get that out of my system, guys. I apologize. 917-889-8280. NASCAR Xfinity Series race from Talladega Super Speedway. Moving on. The Ag Pro 300 uh, was really the Ag Pro, um, you know, was shortened. I, I'm not really sure how many miles. They ran 234 miles, uh, 239 miles, excuse me. It was... 
a 90-lap race that was rain-shortened, but it ended up with Jeff Burton in victory lane. And, and Jeb, who won a truck series race back in 2013, goes out eight years later and uh, wins a – or tw- was that 2010, I think, when he won his truck series race, goes out and wins an NASCAR Xfinity Series race here in 2021. Uh, college racing is always very, very good on these super speedways. And, Spencer, I'll start with you. Uh, Jeb Burton, a good guy, the son of Ward Burton, 2002 Daytona 500 champion. Uh, he's been doing this for a long time. For him to go out and uh, win this race at Talladega was a big moment for him. And congratulations to that team and to Jeb. What were your thoughts uh, when that race finished and Jeb Burton was standing in victory lane? Yeah, that's, that's huge for his career. I mean, you look at um, where he's raced. I mean, he for a little bit he was with JRM, and then he run a few truck races with Nice. Um, just to be behind the wheel of a race car, he took every opportunity he could, and he made the most of it. And um, he finally landed a full-time ride. You know, you you know, if you guys listen to the podcast, uh, Door Bumper Clear and all that, they will tell you that he still searches for his own sponsorship. He still calls and does all the work to land sponsorship. Um, and Ag Fit, Nutrient Ag Solution fits him just as good as it did Ross. I mean, they're farmers. His um, ward buys a bunch of property to protect from stuff being built on it so we can keep the nature in the world and all the trees and the wildlife. And so what his, his father's doing with, um, you know, um, farming and property and is, you know, the that family doesn't fit Nutrient Ag Solution any better. Um than that than those two partnered up i think that's uh huge for him in his career to win um at talladega yeah it was rain sh- shortened but he led second to the most laps to austin Cindric. so he was up front it's not like he just led one lap and um took the lead and the rain came so uh he you know he he runs there he runs really good at daytona and talladega anyways you know like you mentioned colleague is very very strong you know you looked at that team back when ryan truex was was with him and they were just kind of getting started and just somewhat they were okay. Um, that team is a force to be reckoned with every weekend now, really. Haley making it to the Final Four last year, and he's he's won the last two Talladega um, races. So that team has really, really, really been strong and consistent the last few years. Yeah, the 10 didn't get a win with um, Ross, but they finished second, had the best average finish all year with Ross. So it, that team has really, 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 really done a lot of things the last couple of years, and um bringing over aj is huge they have a good company over there that company is it's it's a big family um and you can just see that just as a fan watching that team i mean the drivers are pumped when their teammates win no offense you don't see logano jumping up and down when brad wins you don't see brad jumping up and down when logano or blaney wins but you see a colleague team teammate win they run out to the car interview and hug them and jump up and down and celebrate. And Chris Rice and Matt Colley on pit roads going crazy. And that's just a good organization, and it couldn't happen to a better driver. Yeah, I think there was a lot of uh, – it was a very popular win. I think Jeb Burton's win, no question. He's a guy who um, might not have had the best luck in his career, uh, went to BK Racing and, and tried to run over there in that disaster and was, was let go there. Uh, he had a, a Xfinity Series, full-time Xfinity Series ride uh, at Richard Petty Motorsports, and then that team closed up. Uh, and it was, it's been a tough going for him for, since then. Uh, I don't know if he's had the success he, a, a lot of people initially thought from him when he won that Xfinity Series race when, they, when he did, or that Truck Series race, excuse me, when he did it a few years ago. 
but it is good to see him win, and hopefully this propels things. You know, the problem with racing today in NASCAR is, you know, winning doesn't do a whole hell of a lot anymore, and that's unfortunate. You know, you used to see sponsors want to be with guys who won races or drivers who won races, and now they don't really care that much about that, um, you know, a la Josh Berry. Uh, so, you know, hopefully, Jeb, it gets them into the playoffs. Uh, it's going to get them to, to a point where they can – take some risks that they have to to get some playoff points and running that. But he's going to be in a situation where he can focus now as focus turns to the playoffs because he's locked in. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a very popular win. There's no question about it. And uh, happy to see him. His dad's a great guy. We all love his father and what he's done. Uh, how about you, Philip? What was your thoughts on the NASCAR Xfinity Series race with Jeb and Victory Lane? And, uh, you know, you also had Ryan Seager. They have a good run up there. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Jeb is, you know, salt of the earth kind of guy. I mean, Spencer said it, you know, Ward. I mean, if if you don't love Ward Burton, it's kind of like Sterling Marlin. You just got to love him because they're just genuine. You may not understand what they say, but they're genuine. And they're just great people, and they won races, and they, they, they were what the sport was about. Jeb was that guy, is that kind of guy. He was a prospect with Turner, and then the checks started stop clearing or whatever happened, and that went away. He was a truck series. He, he contended for a truck series title, but the problem is nearly 10 years ago. It was like eight years ago now. And then he's been on the grind driving for crappy teams and then uh, got got up there and ran some races last year as spent over JRM, which helped. And... Uh, might be the only good thing that Brett Griffin's done in a long time, uh, kind of advocating uh, for for Jeb, and uh, that that's probably part of the reason why uh, Jeb is there now. Uh, he has some good partners. He's going to continue to get good partners, and um, got a gorgeous wife too. So I, I think at the end of the day, he's winning either way. But in terms of his wanting to be a racing driver and have a career uh it's nice and there and the point is college racing in general is the uh the only example right now that exists in this sport really across all three all three series of a team that was built from the ground up you know with their money or trying to you know accumulate sponsorship matt college chris rice that crew, there's a reason why they are as close-knit as they are. It's It started from nothing, and they're running the throwback here. Haley's running the throwback to the original car they ran. Um, that was a team that Jeb Burton actually drove for, uh, too, in the Cup Series. So it's a good thing uh, they exist, and they're one of the only examples that exist of the sport where there's there's an opportunity. Because the way NASCAR is these days and the way things are, they drive people out of this. Well, Matt colleagues is the um, exception of the rule, and he's built a powerhouse organization. And as the season goes on, uh, the more confidence Jeb is able to build, uh, the more consistency that AJ is able to build. And with a lot of road courses, it's going to be Cindric versus Almendinger. And then Justin Haley, you can't ever count him out. Uh, he's become a super speedway specialist, but he knows how to win on reg- on regular tracks too. And so 
I think uh, when when a push comes to shove, it'll be a battle between colleagues trio against Austin Sindrick, and then probably you'll have to count the Gibbs guys and some of the other people. But uh, as it stands, we don't know what would have happened. The rain came. They probably could have run this race earlier and let the ARCA race get rained out and probably saved a lot of equipment and possibly, you know, Derek Lancaster uh, wouldn't have gotten hurt the way he did, you know. But, you know, that's the way they do things. Got to do it for TV. So then you only run 90 laps. So uh, glad for Jeb Burton, uh, genuine um, emotion, the same kind of emotion he showed and his dad showed when uh, the announcement happened. So it couldn't really happen. There's very few people in the sport, uh, you could say that, like Josh Berry was probably in the same example as you said, uh, Clayton, you know, like there is room for good guys uh, to win in this sport. And uh, so it's nice to see that here in the XNU series. Yeah, it is, no doubt about it. And the XNU series, as much as people – um, you know, despise, and I, again, I got an argument uh, a couple of weeks ago about the uh, pick a series deal where, you know, cup drivers really can't even run in this series anymore, more than five races. And I said, said you know, uh, I think it's ultimately a good thing because you have some drivers in the Xfinity series who are getting rides that normally wouldn't, full-time rides that normally wouldn't. And, you know, we've seen Jeb in this series run part-time for a long time. And, and if he was doing that this year, uh, it would have been just another win, and we would have been like, oh, I'm great. But now he can run for the championship in this series because, you know, there's not that opportunity, not that option to go to a cup driver for 25 races in the Xfinity Series. So uh, that's a good thing, and uh, I can't tell you um, how happy I was to see Jeff Burton um, in victory lane. So, okay, guys, uh, we, we're going to go to our fantasy picks now. Uh, I, I, it's just been, it's been a disaster oh, so far. This year, yeah. Uh, Philip picked. I'll do a little recap on picks. Philip, his pick was Denny Hamlin, which was actually a <laughs> pick until Denny spent on pit road twice. Uh, and then they, his dark horse was Ryan was Ryan Priest, which Ryan Priest got him four points. Uh, I had Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He got involved in a wreck, so he wasn't able to get any points either. And my dark horse was Eric Amarola. He was able to get four points after finishing um, in the fourteenth position. Uh, and then Spencer had Joey Logano as his pick, and Logano went upside down and crashed. And uh, Matt Benedetto was his dark horse, and Matty D got eight points because of how he ran. So Spencer got eight points this week. Me and Philip got four. So heading into Kansas, points look like Spencer 70, Clayton 49, and Philip 28. And, again, we're going to go with our picks here uh, for Kansas Speedway, obviously a mile and a half track, get back to a little bit of what we're used to and normality here on these mile-and-a-half tracks. But, Philip, who's your to win? Uh, and then a dark horse pick for you at Kansas. I just I just want to have the 28 points because I'm a Davey Allison and Ernie Irvin diehard and Robert Yates, race, Robert Yates racing guy. And my performance in this league is akin to what was going on with the 28 car this weekend. So, uh, for what it's worth, I'm I'm going to go with that Truax kid from Mayetta, New Jersey, as my winner uh, in regards to a dark horse pick because I have to actually go to the points here because it's outside of the playoff uh, 
the which is an oversized playoff because of Cup. Uh, they could probably go and cut it down to 12 drivers and actually be a little more intriguing. But that's for a different conversation. Uh, let me see right here. Uh, got D Burrito and no neck. Figure it out. I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna go kind of extreme here. I'm gonna go Tyler Reddick here as my dark horse. So Truex for the winner and dark horse Tyler Reddick. So he can go and run the high line if that does. Come Did Reddick make his debut here? Yeah, and then he ran really well. He ran top fifteen yeah, a couple years ago. Um, and Clayton no sold it too. I remember that from a couple years ago. <laughs> Uh, okay, I, I'm going to um, to make my picks here, guys. Sorry, I'm just uh, same thing pulling up this, the uh, points. Um, my pick to win this weekend, I'm going to go with. Uh, let's see here, I'm going to go with Chase Elliott. I think Chase Elliott's going to be the year. Had just been a little bit good on the mile and a half track. And uh, I think it's about time for Chase Elliott to get the victory here. My dark horse pick this weekend uh, at Kansas is going to be, man, uh, I'm going to go Matthew Benedetto. I really like what their team is doing. They're right outside the playoffs. Um, It seems like they got a little bit of momentum here, and maybe not to win it, to have a solid top ten run. Uh, And Penske's been pretty good here as of late as well. So I expect that 21 car. They need to have some good runs here uh, to get themselves back into the playoffs. They've gotten themselves back into the conversation, and, and they're real close. Um, but I, I think Matt Benedetto is going to be my guy for the dark horse. Okay, Spencer, the leader of the pack, your pick. Well, I'm also going to pick the guy who's going to lead this race. I'm going to go with the five car because he didn't have a chance to race this past weekend. Um due to an awful mistake that the crew did. But the five will win, and I will take the one as my dark horse. Yeah, I toyed with Kurt Busch, and that's the one thing I think, um, you know, has been a, a problem with this year, is it really seems like Ganassi right now is off to a uh, just an interesting start. I mean, Chastain hasn't done a whole lot. I don't know if that's totally his fault. Um, but, you know, Kurt got off to a real good start this year, and it just seems like the last handful of races or so, um, they've really, really uh, struggled. And so, you know, he finished eighth at Homestead, fourth at the Daytona Road Course, and since then, you know, he's got uh, two top 15 finishes. So, um, you know, just just hasn't been a great year for Kurt Busch, but knowing your luck in this week, Spencer, he's going to go out and probably run third. So, um, you know, that, that's just the way things are. But, uh, yeah, Truex is going to blow up in five laps. So, and, uh, I picked, and I picked Tyler Reddick. He'll blow a tire before the end of the first stage. I'm calling it right now. So, because I, I picked, it all started with Eric Almirola at Daytona, and he got hooked 15 laps in a race by Chris Bell, and I've never, I have no chance unless there's like a super reset or, double bonus points or participation trophies or something since NASCAR's into that sort of thing these days. So might as well we might need to go in and go extreme like that. Hey, yeah, for sure. Uh all things are considered 
considering, uh, you know, we added uh, a 13th chaser at that point or 14th chase driver at one point because of ridiculous nonsense that, that happened a few years ago. Um, so, yeah, listen, if we went by NASCAR rules, it would be, you know, we all, there's always that, uh, you know, except in rare instances, IRC or at the end of all, uh, you know, IRER or whatever, um, at the end of the play, at the end of the rule book um, that NASCAR has. So we could certainly, uh, you know, make adjustments and nobody would blink an eye because of the sport we watch. But um, so double, so uh, it's going to be a triple header weekend this weekend um, at Kansas. I believe it's going to be uh, no, I'm Xfinity wrong. It's a double header weekend. Trucks, trucks, Xfinity trucks and run Cup next weekend. Uh, yeah, trucks and Cup. Xfinity runs obviously next weekend at Darlington. We have the uh, Throwback Weekend. And just something I want to touch on here before we get out on the Throwback Weekend. Well, first things I want to touch on is Spencer's brother, or Spencer Phillips brought it up a couple of times, and uh, I I always meant I meant to, to elaborate on it, and I I failed to, and I apologize. But I want to get this in before the end of the show. Derek Lancaster uh, is going through a rough time in, from the ARCA race. He had a bad crash, caught fire, um, and our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family. We hope. Uh, the outcome is is uh, as good as can be for him because uh, that was a scary, scary wreck, and the fact that he was, you know, it's, he's he's in a, having a rough time right now. Um, we're we're certainly thinking about him, so I want to get that in before the show. The other thing I want to get in and uh, is this throwback weekend here coming to Darlington next weekend. Um, I'm I'm concerned about what throwback weekend is going to look like in the future. We have so many ridiculous throwbacks this weekend or next weekend. I don't know if you guys saw Martin Trex Jr.'s throwback this week, which was laughable. He's throwing back to uh, when he drove at Furniture Row Racing, which was three years ago. Uh, it's laughable that these that, that we allow you this. You should and, throw and back to David so Rudiman's car at Martinsville in 2010. That would be a more accurate throwback. Yeah, yeah, something. I mean, it's just – I mean, come on. So, uh, to me, it's, it's, it's just, um, you know – this is a great weekend, and I love it. And a lot of people love this weekend, and I unfortunately think because of corp, like a lot of things that NASCAR, a lot of great things NASCAR had in the past, uh, throwback weekend will be destroyed due to corporate greed. And give the smaller teams some credit here. You know, uh, I liked Michael Annette's throwback. Um, there's been some smaller teams, and even Hendrick, and give them credit. Jeremy you know, Clement is nice. Jeremy Clements is awesome, and uh, Hemrick's or Hemrick's uh, Byron's today was tremendous. So uh, there's been a lot of good ones. There's been a few good ones, but you know we're a week we're a week away, and there's a, there's about 20 Cup teams that haven't announced anything. 20 25 Cup teams haven't announced anything yet, and that's extremely disappointing. I hope it's I hope it's better than what we've seen here. You know, I remember Brad last year um, had a t- had a terrible paint had a terrible throwback. So uh, I hope it's better, and they try to move it from the playoff race to help that. But uh, I'm not confident Larson at all. Larson runs one so. every weekend, so yeah, yeah, he does. So that's true. We'll so, what, uh, he probably won't have one. Yeah, no, probably not. And uh, you know, he could do a good one because that's not really He's a sponsor. He's going back but to anyway. Brian Vickers next week, probably. So <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But guys, great show as always. Uh, we'll see you next week on Talking Circles. Back here uh, Sunday. At 9, we'll review Kansas weekend from Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.